Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hatchesad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. In case it's the first time you're listening to the podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, let me just give you the rundown here. Me and Ben are a pair of automotive journalists, and we use this time and this space online to talk about what's going on in the industry. We just get all of these stories out of our head, all of these new cars and news just off of our, our brains and into your minds so that you can start thinking about cool cards too. Just wait, ben, what in, do we... just wait until the technology evolves where we can download directly into your mind while you're sleeping without your knowledge. I mean, once, but, that, once that happens, podcasts are done. They're just over. <laughs> it's going to be all direct brain transfers from now on. You'll think it was a dream, but it wasn't a dream. It was sponsored by... Uh, who sponsors podcasts? Blue Apron? It was a Blue Apron-induced <laughs> dream. Yeah, Braincast. You didn't know that we were working on this? You didn't know that we're already Braincasting right now? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Ben, what uh, what cool Braincast cars are you downloading into my mind today? Well, I think that the, 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 the first car I wanted to talk about this week is something that we both drove recently, which is a rare <laughs> instance of synchronicity across space and time and the five-hour drive from Montreal to Toronto, and that is the 2018 Dodge Durango SRT. Absolutely. Okay. So yes, we have had, we both had this car, I think on the same week um, in, in the month, which is pretty sweet. Also, this is happening way too often, despite us not coordinating what cars we ever like pick up for each Sometimes other. Sometimes we wear the same vest too. Yeah. I'm really worried about this, Ben. <laughs> okay. Let's get to this Durango though. What can, why don't you tell them what uh, the Durango is all about? Okay. So I've always really, really liked the Grand Cherokee SRT. It's always been my favorite SRT, and it was the strongest selling SRT model for a very long time because I think it was that version of, of the... So those of you who aren't familiar with SRT, you probably are, but it's the, the hot rod editions of regular Chrysler and Dodge products and, and Jeep. And I think the reason the Grand Cherokee was so popular is because it was easier to justify. Like, you could say, well... This has almost 500 horsepower, but also has all-wheel drive, and I can, you know, put the whole family in it, and I can tow with it, so it kind of... It also doesn't look like an obnoxious sports car. It's, like, practical. It's super practical, and it looks normal for the most part. Well, it, it looks pretty menacing. I guess what color... It depends on the color you get in. If you get it in black, it looks like it's going to eat your children. Like, it's very in-your-face. Um, but, I mean, a, a, a Challenger SRT looks like a sports car. It yeah. makes a lot of noise like a sports yeah. car. And also, People you know, like, that guy's compensating for something, or he's just being obnoxious but when you get a, a, a grand cherokee srt it just looks like a loud suv and you can okay. and you can drive it year round and i think that that's yeah. a, like or at least in the minds of buyers it's easier to drive year round so that makes a big a big uh point in its favor so all but this my, just, yeah sorry. my favorite part of introducing introducing any new car that we're talking about is to talk about another car first. no but sammy if you'd let me finish you realize <laughs> i'm being extremely professional because the Dodge Durango SRT is the exact same platform as the Jeep Grand Cherokee. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit longer because it has a third row, and it's somewhat heavier. But other than that, you're looking at essentially a Grand Cherokee dressed like a, a Dodge Durango for, for SRT purposes. So uh, it was kind of a, a slam dunk for Dodge to do this because if the Jeep was so popular, and I know Jeep has its own brand credibility that helps it sell but it makes sense that the durango would also be a popular choice don't you think yeah actually it makes a lot of sense i mean again the same things that make the the, the grand cherokee so uh strong of a, of a purchase decision is the same reason a durango would be so good it's it's practical it's big 
Um, it doesn't look too um, ostentatious. No, and... in fact, I'd say that the the Durango, if there's anything about it that I wasn't super impressed with, well, w- one of the things is that it really looks kind of normal. Yeah, I think that's okay. I'm okay with it. it. Sounds unbelievable. Like let's get to the let's get to the best parts of this SRT model. It sounds great and it's got a wonderful engine under the hood. Um, that's yeah, a six point four liter V8 that makes what five? No, four seventy five horsepower 475. and four hundred seventy pound feet of torque, and it comes with the same eight speed automatic that you'd find in pretty much every Chrysler SRT product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one thing. That's one thing that makes the car really cool. It's a very fast vehicle. I think it does 0 to 16 around f- four and a half seconds. 4.7. Uh, and it'll oh. it'll do the quarter mile in 13.3, which is pretty crazy for a vehicle that weighs 5,300 pounds. <laughs> like, I know. And and actually, I, re- I have 4.4. I don't know where you got 4.7 from. Uh, I was looking at Stats on Car and Driver. I just pulled it up okay. quickly. I don't know so, where you got 4.4 from. Let, leadfoot.org forward slash Sammy Stats. Is that what? Sammy Stats, yeah. Straight from the PR department, actually. Um, and you know what? That's really cool. What's insane is that you can see a, a three-row crossover with a button that says launch on it. Yeah, it's got the same. Think is... It's got that launch control from the Grand Cherokee. I mean, you know, there are really fast. This is an AMG version of the GL, right? Yeah, Mercedes GL. So there are there are fast three rows. I I can't remember if the X5M has three rows um, or not. I know it's available in the regular X5, but we're noticed it's not like Chrysler. But those is, are like hundred thousand dollar cars. Yeah, Chrysler's not pioneering this with the uh, with the SRT Durango, but mm-hmm. it's definitely rarefied air. There's not a lot of vehicles that do this. Right. I, I think so. Uh, I don't know what you did with with your week with the car, Sammy, but I I went on a road trip for about 700 miles. You um, you let me guess. You packed like a four sets of tires into the back. Of the I took 700 tires, 700 <laughs> miles. Um, no, I I went to I was actually I went to a concert in New Hampshire um, okay. with my family, and so we had we 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 didn't use all three rows. We used four rows, but I what? can tell you. There are no four rows. Wow. All right. Two rows. I meant, I meant four seats. Just yeah, want to okay. see if you were listening, Sammy. I sometimes I know time. you. I sometimes I know you just put it on autopilot and like you have and a then, button that laughs and you put yes. the laughter button and then you're like uh, another button that says crazy and you push the crazy button. Um. Anyway. Crazy. So. So, so 700 miles in a 470 horsepower, huge displacement, 5,000 pound vehicle. Wow, fuel mileage. It show, yeah, it shows off the advantages and disadvantages of the of the vehicle. You probably got to where you had to go as fast as you've ever done it. So, so <laughs> the, the EPA re- re- rates this vehicle. Are you ready for this? Yes, I love this. Fifteen miles per gallon on the highway, thirteen miles per gallon in town, and yeah. somehow, oh sorry, 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 fifteen combined, thirteen around town, nineteen on the highway. 19 on the hybrid. I got 16. 16 miles per mm-hmm. gallon, almost all highway. That's crazy. That is like horrendous fuel mileage. So right away, like, I think that most people who buy this vehicle, like buying the Grand Cherokee, they intend to use it every day. I don't think anyone just buys it to have it, although maybe some people do. But I don't think it gets parked like a Challenger or a Charger does. Um mm. And I think they're probably going to try to tow with it because it has a decent tow rating. It's like well over 7,000 pounds. Yeah. And uh, I think they're going to be 
horrendously shocked at the fuel economy you know someone told me oh if you buy an srt you don't really care about fuel economy and that's probably true to a degree like i own a specialty v8 performance vehicle and i don't care about fuel economy even when i was driving it every day before i was doing press cars on a regular basis i didn't care about fuel economy but it was a lot better than 16 miles per gallon like even then so Man, it's 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 like you have this practical SUV that's really quick and sounds crazy and has a comfortable interior, and then you have like balanced out by the fact that if you drive it every day, you're gonna have to take out a second mortgage on your home for fuel. Yeah, and you know what? There's other elements about this car than than just the the engine and the fuel mileage. I mean, I'm really impressed by the different drive modes. Um, there's a, a couple of them, and there's a nice custom one that allows you to choose um, certain elements of the vehicle that you can that you can that you prefer. So that means that because I found the car quite stiff, especially in like the sport and track modes. But yeah, if you put it if you put it in the street mode, it's more bearable. Um, and uh, but you can also thanks to that custom mode, you can have it with the the street suspension, but still like the the track powertrain, which sounds like uh, or powertrain setting that sounds unbelievable. So you can still enjoy that aspect of the vehicle. Except um, I definitely found it to be stiff as well, even even loaded down and um, in in street mode. Yeah, and I mean it it really is a sports car SUV or a sporty SUV. It's not like it's not like a car that says actually. I'll also I'll, when we finish talking about the Durango, I'll talk about another car that I had compared directly to the Durango, uh, which was the the Chevrolet Tahoe RST, same initials but in different places. Um, and this is a very different approach to the sport truck that the Durango went. And I think the Durango went full bore sport truck and they did a very good job of it. It's a complete package that cuts no corners in this, in this kind of uh, format. I've actually driven the Durango SRT at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, on the road course there. I think we talked Mm -hmm. about it last summer on the podcast. So Mm -hmm. I was impressed with it there in the sense that I was impressed that a vehicle that large could handle that well. As I've always said, and I'll say it again. With a performance SUV, they can go on the racetrack. You would never choose to do that. It's it's not fun. It's mm-hmm. not engaging. It's just possible, you know. So it's it's mm-hmm. an engineering achievement, and I applaud that, and it's cool. But I don't think anyone. I, I mean, I I've never seen an SUV at a track day that I go to. It's very very unusual that you would see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people use them to bring their track cars because on a trailer because um they want something that's more fun and 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 even the trackhawk the the crazy edition of the grand cherokee the Mm. hellcat grand cherokee is is not fun i mean it's fun in a in on a racetrack in the sense that wow this is crazy there's so much power but you wouldn't want to go out and pound back like 30 laps it's not you wouldn't versus a more dedicated car (laughs) instead of an suv i think you would always choose the car so one of the more el- interesting elements of SRT, though, is that it's the official driving. Uh, they're actually the Bob Bondurant School of High Performance Driving in Chandler, Arizona. Um, you get a free track day uh, and education there um, when you buy one of these. So yes, and I've been to the Bondurant uh, SRT school actually, and it's a and it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. You'll learn a lot. It's I want to know if you get if like you have to go in the car that you have and you're just like well i'm in my durango here and everyone's in their vipers and no no you show you show up and they provide you with cars it's you you fly in and uh they have vipers and challengers and chargers and all sorts of stuff phew okay it's it's more about teaching you driving skills less about teaching you driving skills for your specific car i mean if you have a viper or a challenger yeah it's your specific car but Mm -hmm. it's it's a general type of course and and it's it's run very well in my in my experience so I mean that's another element of this car. I mean maybe you don't maybe you like the 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 
um, the lifestyle of a high performance car owner, but you want something that's more practical. And the, and the Durango SRT is that. And you get to go to the track school as well, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. It's hey, pretty what, fun what, too. The funny thing is when I went to the track school, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast because it happened a couple of years ago, but uh, Bill Goldberg was there with us, uh, the group what? of journalists. Yeah. So I, I was sitting across like the Bill room. Bill Goldberg from like wrestling? Thing? Yes, from wrestling. I'm sitting across the room and I see this guy and I'm like, that guy looks really familiar. He's pretty big. Yeah. Um, and he's just like hanging out. And I'm like, is that bi-? And then we get on the bus and I'm sitting behind him like, is this Bill Goldberg? And it was. And he was honestly super friendly, not putting on airs or anything. Like really just wanted. Did Kyle drive you through a car? He didn't, even though I asked him to. Oh, um, what? But uh, he was just one of the pe- one of the one of the group. Like he hanging out, talking with everybody, and and apparently he had some movie role coming up where he wanted to polish up his driving skills. So he was at the Bondurant school on a day with journalists, which made no sense at all. <laughs> but a uh, really nice guy. So that's my that's my one brush with celebrity or related to SRT. Um, so, so Sammy, would you would you buy this wait, vehicle? I mean, I don't know what kind of customer needs to be buying this vehicle, but if I was in the mindset of I had the money to buy one, and you wanted um, to tow your BRZ to the track, yeah, and wanted to do it with a V8 engine that did not. That required me to stop at least three times on the way to the track. <laughs> yeah, totally. Why not? It, I will, it, I, is, it is such a humorous vehicle to drive around in that you never realize that you're in something this big because it burbles and barks and it just sounds so unbelievable. And the way it hits its speeds is is really impressive. The transmission changes gears really nicely. And if you put it in the in the higher performance modes, it really like slams into those gears with like with drama, man, it yeah, feels really cool. It sounds great. It really does sound great. And the eight speeds, uh, a, a, a very nice transmission. Um, and it starts in the U.S. at around uh, under sixty-five thousand dollars, which yeah. I think is pretty impressive. Now, the one I had was very well equipped. Um, came to about um, seventy-five thousand U.S. and yeah. maybe eighty-five thousand dollars Canadian, which that's is a like, lot of money. That's like the one that I had as well. And I think that a lot of them. I mean, I think people are probably going to option these up. Yeah, but uh, you know my father, he drives trucks all the time, and uh, he was with me on the road trip, and he really liked really liked the vehicle, found it very comfortable, um, and it's uh, I think that you know he's kind of the demographic for that vehicle, someone who's who likes large vehicles and would like a large vehicle that's fast. So, so um, and it's it's hard to find a vehicle like that um, that really captures the essence of a of what a sports car is in a big truck, and the reason I bring that up is because I too had. Like I said, the Tahoe RST. Now, the RST is a new package that's available on the Tahoe um, that gives it a few extra elements um, of sportiness. Um, The funny thing is it doesn't always come with a 6.2 liter V8. It certainly doesn't. I've driven the RST Suburban that is not available, (laughs) I don't think. With the uh, the six point two six point two, unless you specifically buy it, the RST package on the <sighs> Suburban is just an appearance package for the most part. Yeah, and so this is the only way you can get the six point two on the Tahoe, as far as I understand. Uh, you have to get the RST edition. Is there a High uh, Country Tahoe? I do not know. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I just want to point out one more thing. You know, we're going to talk about the the RST and how it's different, but I, I want to say the the SRT Durango. It's not – there's some parts that are surprisingly similar to the Durango SRT – sorry, the Durango RT, the one below it, mm-hmm. which is the 5.7. Like the springs are only 3% stiffer in the front and 16% stiffer in the back. 
Um, yeah. The big the big difference is, and and the roll bar is eighteen percent stiffer. These are these are modular changes. Um, the big difference, but they're changes suspension. nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the RST and the, the the Tahoe RST performance package does not have any significant performance change in that. But the, the the big difference for the RT, the SRT, sorry, over the RT is the the adaptive build seats. Those that's really the the adaptive yeah. suspension system. That's and and does the RST now back to the RST? Does it come with mag ride? It does. It comes with magnetic ride control, which is really good. Uh, when you get it with the with the 6.2 liter, you get you. That's the only reason you get the RST team pack. The RST package, which is, it, I think, it gives you really nice um, exterior badging and wheels. And then when you get the 6.2 liter, you get the that really great engine. You get a 10-speed automatic transmission, and you get magnet ride. Now you also can get a Borla um, exhaust system. As well as six piston Brembo front brakes. So why isn't uh, that not standard with the RST package? I don't package? know, and it, I find that really frustrating that they would do that. They would hold back so much out of a vehicle that's supposed to be the sport truck version of the car. It seems really strange to me. I don't understand where they're going with RST. Um, and you know, it's also 55 horsepower less than the Durango, and I'm sure it weighs the same, if not more. Yeah, the the weight differences are not all that um, significant. The power difference also, the power difference is is noticeable in some ways, but the ten speed automatic is actually really buttoned down and uh, provides a few extra uh, ratios for the for the V eight to get to speed really nicely. And it sound it it too sounds very good. I won't deny that the the six point two liter it's a Corvette derived engine sounds great um, and feels very good. But there's a lot of there's a much more pitch. And roll when you when you drive this vehicle. Um, even if you put your foot down, you'll notice that the you know the the hood points to the sky. And it's like driving a boat, and that doesn't happen at all in the Durango. The Durango is much more flatter, and it feels like I said more like a sporty vehicle. And that's not the case with the RST. It seems like a bit of a, a poser, um, but it comes with the added element of being the only way to get a Tahoe with an, a 6.2 liter V8. And I, what I don't understand also is you know if you're gonna make the RST an appearance package. Oh. Why not call it something else? Like if you, yeah. if you if you have this these brakes and this engine and and the Borla system available, call that one thing and then call the RST appearance package something else so that people know when they're buying an RST that they're getting the performance truck. The because ultimate, right, the the top the top performance features, right? Because like now you're, it needs to be in one thing. If you walk into a dealership right now and you're trying to order a Tahoe RST, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, you yeah, can go you home have... and be like, oh, I'm so disappointed. Where's the exhaust and all this? You it's... can get an RST without the 6.2. That's the only reason I would get an RST is if you, if you can get the 6.2. It should not come with the 5.3. Like, but, you know, and, and we're going to talk about later uh, on the podcast, there's one more vehicle we're going to talk about where engine choice is also not uh, a given anymore from General mm -hmm. Motors. And it's almost exactly along these lines. So it's, it's interesting that we're discussing it now. And not only that, but if you were to compare these two vehicles, one you do get more space in the in the Tahoe. That's very um, that that's something you can see right away. But you also you you give up a lot in comparison to the Durango um, to towing capacity in in particular, which is kind of weird because one is like a real like body on frame truck, and the other one is I guess it's a crossover. I think the the Durango is is a unibody a unibody vehicle yeah. and usually you know the the people who promote tr real trucky trucks say that the body on frame allows them to do more um towing capability so, so what's the, what is the towing capacity of the tahoe rst it's not a huge difference it <clears throat> could be i think um 80 86, 000, i think let me take a look here i've got it i promise all right 
I'm trusting uh, you here. I'm trying to trust you. It's it's not easy because 80, 81,000 actually. Uh, 8,100, sorry. So it can tow 500 more or 400 more? Uh, then the Durango? The Durango can actually do quite a bit. Let me see. The Durango uh, is Durango's only like 8,700. 8,700. Okay, I thought it yeah, was less so than that. So it's, it's 600 less than Durango. Wow. And that, that is surprising. Although yeah. I think the wheelbase might be a little shorter, but even still, it, it is a bit surprising. So I'm I'm disappointed. One, I'm I'm really happy that Durango uh, Dodge has this Durango that can that can just deliver all of the elements that we like in sports cars in a much bigger in a much bigger pack, package. And I'm really disappointed with Chevrolet for doing the complete opposite, um, for for putting a, a really big poser out there that just has a really nice engine that is not even standard. Um, yeah, it's it's an unusual decision. Um, I, I I don't quite get it either. Uh, but you know, uh, speaking of um, GM, what is the other? Well, yeah, what is this other GM you had? So I I also spent some time in the 2018 GMC Sierra Denali. So oh, right, that okay. is that is the last. So 2019 model year. I, actually, I'm going to be driving it in a couple months. The, the, there's an all new Sierra coming, mm-hmm. and it's going to bring all sorts of craziness to the table, like diesel engines and turbo four engines and new off-road packages and a, a new platform. It's kind of a big deal. But this is mm-hmm. the, the the vehicle I drove is the last year for the current version. So uh, it's going to be out there. It's going to be heavily discounted eventually. They're going to try and get rid of them. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be buying them. They're going to sell at a discounted rate. And um, for that reason, I was really curious. I wanted to get behind the wheel of the current Denali uh, because I wanted to compare it to the upcoming model. But also, I know, Sammy, you drove uh, a Denali recently as well, didn't you? Yeah. You were, you were not impressed. We had that conversation. Um, yeah, actually, the I drove the SRT, uh, I'm sorry, the GMC Sierra Denali um, when learning how to tow for the first time, a, a really significant heavy load for the first time. And um, there were a couple of things that were really impressive about the truck, but it was a pretty average experience, I would say. Yeah, you really um, didn't like the interior, if I remember correctly. The interior bothered me, and I didn't. There were some vehicles that had the 5.3 and some vehicles that had the 6.2, and that bothered me because a six, uh, a, a very expensive top-trim top level vehicle should only come with that top-end um, feature. So, yeah, and I, I don't want to dwell too much on the Sierra because, like, we have talked about it on past podcasts. But mm. um, I, I did, you, did you move some tires in it? I did move some tires in it. And, and what was it like? It was it was heaven. Um, okay. But what I wanted to <laughs> what I wanted to mention was like the RST it used to be if sorry, it used to be if you ordered any Denali truck, you, like whether it was the the, the um, Yukon Denali, whether it was the Sierra Denali, you got the 6.2 standard. And that's not the case anymore. And it hasn't been for a couple of years. So you end up getting the 5.3 with the vehicle. And it's disappointing. It, it's just disappointing. Like the 5.3 is, it's like what, 355 horsepower, 383 pound feet of torque. It's a the, big engine for a limited amount of output, I would say. The, Don't, the 6.2, no, I, I think it's fine. But I mean, the 6.2 is 420, 460. And that's the version I had in the Denali I was driving. And it, it's so much better. And you should, if you're paying for the Denali, you should get that motor. It, it's really. GM, I, I've asked them about this in the past, and they said they have people who just want the comfort aspects of the Denali, and they don't really care about the motor. Um, so they just, yeah, we don't, we don't care. So they have, that. they have that. Yeah, for those people. it get, it's, it's, it lets them get in the car for less money, right? That means that people want a Denali badge over the Denali experience. Well, like, no, because I think the Denali experience is also the interior comfort and the mag ride, um, which is a big deal in a truck like this. Yeah. 
But that's uh, tough. okay. Any any what what? Why don't you tell me then? Now we've both driven the Sierra, uh, the Denali version of the vehicle. What can you tell me that you're looking forward to in the 2019 model? Do you know exactly what um, that you can be that you, that you're looking forward to in those vehicles? What well, they, I want. What I want a, the mark. I want a much better interior. That's okay. for sure. And I think that's non-negotiable. I think that uh, co- companies like Ram have moved so far ahead in terms of providing a luxury experience in the truck that GMC really has to step it up with the Denali, especially since it is their luxury version and it's always been their luxury version and they sell so many of these. I think if Denali was a brand, it would be something like the the fourth, the third or fourth largest luxury brand in the world. Like it outsells Porsche, Jaguar, Land Rover, and like Acura combined, I think. <laughs> if you put and that's just Denali, not GMC. That's just Denali. That's so impressive. they make a they make a ton of money with these vehicles, and it would be nice if they could back them up with uh, the the interior accoutrement that one would expect from a vehicle at that price. I, I mean, you're looking at well over 50 grand for this truck. So it, it's, wow. yeah, it's got to be something special. And I think the drivetrain with the 6.2 and the mag ride, that's great. Uh, and it's a very capable truck. It's very roomy inside. And I, I happen to like the styling a lot, but it's it's not competitive in terms of features or or comfort. Yeah, and I think that's really important. I mean, me and you, um, we've driven the new Ram 1500, the 2019 Ram 1500, which was loaded with features and uh, has a gorgeous interior um, and comes with a really interesting uh, powertrain. It can be offered with this 48-volt mild hybrid system, which is also unique. And well, we haven't driven that yet. I want to point that out. No one's driven that yet. That, that mild hybrid? No, we haven't driven that mild hybrid version of the, of the vehicle yet. But we've had everything but that. Um, that I mentioned, which is, again, it left a very very positive impression on me. Um, And the Ford F-150 has been the best seller in the segment for a very, very long time. And people are uh, picking that up for a reason. And it also comes with really cool um, twin-turbo V6s that uh, that deliver power in in an easily accessible format. And the Sierra Denali just doesn't have that. I mean, the 6.2 is is an option um, above a V8, uh, another V8, so there's that element to it, and you have to pay extra for that. And I just don't know if that's, you know, a really premium experience. So uh, just just to wrap things up for for this week, Sammy, there's there's one piece of news that came out, um, and it's tangentially related to the automotive industry, but I think it's something that we need to talk about. Okay, what is that? Well, a long time ago now, or at least it seems like a long time ago, Honda developed a robot, and that oh. robot looked super weird. What do you mean? <laughs> You're it talking, was, of course, about the uh, Honda Asimo. The Asimo. The, so the Asimo was like basically like a spaceman wearing a backpack. I think that's the um, the best way I could describe it. Uh, who's, and, the, who's what? Like three and a half feet tall? Yeah, it, it just walked around. And it, it, the weirdest thing about the Asimo to me is it was always shaking hands with people. In yeah. every picture I saw of it for like years. It came out in 2000. Um it, it, it apparently the first robot ever to walk on two legs, so bipedal motion. It would walk up to people and shake their hand in every photo. First of all, it can't meet anybody. It's what? a robot. It doesn't have a soul or a personality. So you it can is, you can meet people without a soul. I mean, you meet people all the time. And, and you know what? You know what the Asimo's <laughs> best legacy is? Apparently, is it that a led, good, yeah? Go ahead. It led to the development of an intelligent robotic Honda branded lawn lawnmower. <laughs> What? <laughs> that cost $2,500. So what's happening with Asimo? What's your deal? Is he there going There were away? seven generations of Asimo, and the best thing we got from Asimo was the this, rob- this the robotic lawnmower. Lawn 
That's pretty sweet, though. I want a lawn. I want an Asimo powered lawnmower. Can, I although not. I, am, I would be nervous if it, re, if it reverts back to it's like time to meet people. Yeah, and it tries to shake your hand with its blades. Like, <laughs> so anyway, Honda's Honda makes cars. Honda makes robots. I just wanted we're bringing this up because the robot is done. Eighteen oh, years, seven retiring. generations. I don't know why they've got an early retirement at eighteen. But why? I mean, it's not like it's tired. Like, what's... <laughs> Actually, I want to know if it's just going to be retired from, like, this PR stunt that it's always doing. Now, now it's go- it And then it's going back to... Life. Yeah. yeah, it's going back to what it was designed to do, which is murder. <laughs> it's... Asimo is going back to the mur- the wet work trade. And, uh, the robotic uh, revolution that we, we know is coming. Now that we're all totally... Um, anesthetized to the dangers of Asimo because it's yeah. been so friendly for so long. It's the perfect tool for world domination. Okay, look, here. did you also know that it could walk at speeds up to 5.5 miles per hour? That's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, if I don't want to shake hands, it needs to it respect will, that and not chase. not chase me down. <laughs> Although I think I've seen him have a bit of an issue on staircases before. Apparently, the Asimo also played soccer with President Obama. I don't know how that happens. Um, hopefully, he didn't play goalie because he's only four feet three inches tall. <laughs> yeah, you're going to lose. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, so everyone out there in um, Unnamed Automotive Podcast land, uh, pour out a cup of Zero W30 oil for Asimo. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. going back to the big slag heap that sits behind Honda headquarters, I guess. I actually hope that they don't, like... <laughs> I'm really disappointed by this idea of retiring this robot because I think it is a very interesting thing. And I think it it reminds us of the time of when Honda was kind of weird. And that's not happening as often as it, as it could. It showcased their imagi- gonna, imagination. They're obviously going to recycle all these Asimo robots into Honda jets like they needed them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And, um, and so, like... I it, first of all, good for him for retiring at 18. I didn't know that robots can do that. They're already better than all of us, us millennials in in the first in the first place. And then I don't know, like I just like the fact that every time I went in a Honda program, I was like, I wonder if I'm going to see Asimo today, and I, he never would. You it, legitimately wondered that? Yeah. Like like a child would wonder, like like Santa when you walk into McDonald's, yeah. are you like, is this the day Ronald McDonald serves me? Is he hands me a burger? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Why not, man? Come on. I hate to break it to you, but Ronald McDonald retired when he was 21, so... Well, Asimo beat him to the to the punch. He did, but robotics technology was in its infancy. <laughs> you uh, didn't know Ronald McDonald was a robot? Did I not? No, no I didn't. I thought... I knew Chuck E... I think Chuck E. Cheese is a robot. Yeah, this is like that, but bigger and with, with a better budget. That's how it looks so realistic. Honda? I mean, Ronald McDonald? Ronald McDonald, yeah. That's pretty impressive. It um, is impressive, and yet they only use that technology to make burgers faster. No, it no, seems, they didn't. I'm seems certain, like a waste. I'm certain the robotic element behind Ronald McDonald helped them improve drive-throughs, and that's the Why, automotive what part. What is the that's link? The between... automotive link between Ronald McDonald and our podcast. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, if any of you would like to share your Asimo memories or um, correct our pronunciation of Asimo. <laughs> You can reach out to us on uh, – there's several ways. Sammy likes the Twitter because uh, he is somehow immune to the cesspool that is Twitter. <laughs> and you can get him at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. 
Yeah. Uh, me, I prefer Instagram because no one's mean. They're just sharing pictures. Yeah. And you can reach me there at HuntingBenjamin, or you can email me, Benjamin, at BenjaminHunting.com. And we've actually had a lot of people emailing us lately, which we really appreciate. Thanks for getting in touch and asking us questions. Um, and uh, Sammy, if they wanted to subscribe to the podcast or find out more about the podcast, how would they do that? I would recommend them that they go to our website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. You can subscribe there using um, a multitude of podcast clients, and you can even do uh, you can do that through Spotify, which is pretty cool. Additionally, there's a contact form there, and you can email us through there. And you can also see all of our last our latest episodes through there, as well as photos and links to um, the articles that we've written on on the related vehicles. And uh, Sammy, I have one last question. I had sent you this on email, but you've been traveling a lot lately. We had a reader reach out to us, Max, about oh, – sorry, a reader, a listener reach out to us about his FRS. And oh, yes. So uh, Max has an FRS. He lives in Montreal like I do, and we get pretty harsh winters. So he mm -hmm. was curious. Uh, he has to make a choice whether he sells his FRS. Um, he's a little bit upside down on it, so he doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, whether he trades it in for a Forest or an Outback because he likes those vehicles uh, and he, he wants a manual transmission, they're available in Canada pretty easily, or if he keeps his FRS and puts winter tires on it. Um, I suggested to him in email that he keep it and put winter tires on it. Um, I've driven some very high horsepower cars of my own in the winter on winter tires in Montreal, never had a problem. But I, I wanted your advice, Sammy, because you have an FRS, uh, mm -hmm. even though I call it a BRZ, and you drive it in the winter. I do drive it in the winter, but I don't drive it um, all the time. When there's a really bad snowstorm that I need to get through, um, I will park um, my car and uh, and find an alternate an alternate route, be it like a subway or something like that. Um, there are if the snow is is like a foot high, you're 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 not going anywhere. There's no way. But you that's can, true of almost any vehicle. Almost anything. But well, if your if your alternative is a Forester or an Outback, you'll be able to handle that. I mean, um, and that's another that's. That's a positive. I'm yeah, I, I wanted to say, too, uh, in Montreal, it's very rare that we have those kinds of snow events. We get a lot of snow, but the city's very good about clearing the snow. So we maybe mm -hmm. have a day or two where it's there's a lot of snow on the ground, and then it's cleared again. I, so if you're in the city, it's not such a big deal. And winter tires are really going to, I think, equalize out all of the eventualities. And I would say, yes, good, good winter tires. You need to get very good, the best winter tires you can afford. Um, the, that's your investment right there. And you need to be patient. Um, driving on the snow is not a race. It's not a game. And especially in snow, in, in sports cars that are not designed for that, um, that environment, you need to, you need to find out what your car can do and how to handle it in, in rough conditions. And you need to, you, you can, there's a number of schools that you can attend that will, that will do that. That'll help, help you become more comfortable with your car in the snow. Um, or you can find an empty snowy parking lot and take a shovel with you and go, <laughs> go drive around in it until you get stuck and find out how you can get out and, or shovel yourself out. So, um, I know that's a, a really bizarre, um, suggestion but no, if you want to keep suggestion. if you want to keep your sports car um and drive it all year long you're going to have to deal with some of the compromises that are that are inherent with the design i think that's i think that's great advice and um sammy uh we have, we're gonna sign off now but what, what are we going to be talking about next week next week is actually a really fun week um i've got a lamborghini aventador s roadster to talk to you about and i think you've got a pretty nice list of car of cars as well yeah i've got a couple of minis i have the largest mini you can buy and the smallest mini you can buy and i drove them back to back because why not well and i wanted to see whether opposites would attract and we'll find out uh, <laughs> next week on unnamed automotive podcast